Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, today's episode, we've got special guest Alex Riesenkampf, who originally hails from Frankfurt, Germany, but has lived all over the world and now resides in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, Alex has started a social media platform called Get Vocal, and I just thought that Alex's uh, social media platform is really fascinating, and I think Alex himself is a really interesting and fun guy, so... Uh, really excited to bring this episode to you guys today. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. As always, today's show is produced music and artwork by Misha Zarens. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest that I met down in Orlando at uh, that PodFest that I talked about recently. Um, he is the CEO and founder of a company called Get Vocal, and his name is Alexander Riesenkampf. Uh, Alex, thank you for joining the show. Thank you so much, Walker. Great to be on. <laughs> so we literally just practiced me saying his last name right before I, I started recording, and I still think I got it wrong. <laughs> No, even you're, a you're pretty times. close. You're, okay. you're pretty close. You're definitely in the 99 percentile here in the U.S. So that might be the first time I've ever made that cut. So I appreciate that that vote of confidence. <laughs> um. So, um, Alex has a really interesting platform um, in Get Vocal, and I've I've checked it out. But honestly, I think Alex will be far better at describing it than I will. So, Alex, by all means, can you please tell us kind of what Get Vocal is all about? I'll and, and happy to do that, and I'll segment into what is Get Vocal about and mm -hmm. what is it today, because these two things overlap, but they're not identical. So Get Vocal is about creating a place where content creators can engage with their audiences in a super engaging and interactive way. Number one, and number two, a safe way. So no trolling, no abuse, none of the hostility that users are used to from other social platforms. So that's what Get Vocal is about. And what is Get Vocal? It is a live video communities platform where creators can do what I what you might consider talk and radio shows just with video. And users have a bunch of mechanisms to connect with the creator but also with each other in and, and form community around that so yeah so so i was checking it out the other day and and what you just said is was my takeaway as well so it it really seems like if if i wanted to for example you know obviously you know this episode and most of the episodes i've done or well, all of the episodes i've done are, are pre-recorded and published but if i wanted to maybe have a conversation with my audience we could totally utilize Get Vocal for that. And honestly, even maybe you record an episode at the same time as doing a stream on Get Vocal. Is that, is that right? Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely right. So the way that you could think of it is Get Vocal is the place where you can have the live interactions in the most engaging way possibly. At the same time, you can record your content and we give you an audio only or a uh, audio and video file that you can then use and create on-demand content as well. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, when I checked it out the other day, um, I'm trying to think of the conversation that I got onto. I don't remember what it was labeled, but 
oh, it was it was like why did like do nice guys really finish last? And it was just these four people that of course were strangers to me, but um, just kind of talking about relationships and love and you know the the that that common turn of phrase or sentiment that that the nice guy <laughs> doesn't doesn't get the gal or whatever. Um, and yeah, it was exactly kind of what you've described. It was it was a a very unfiltered conversation. When I say that, it's not that it was crass or anything. It was just that, you know, it definitely obviously wasn't prepared or scripted in any way, and it didn't feel like that. It felt like just people kind of sharing ideas. And, uh, and yeah, there was no negativity. There wasn't any hostility or anything. Um, and I'm sure just, you know, some of that is just the, the environment that you've created. But I think also, and, and we talked about this a little bit in Orlando, I think that because Give Vocal is all face-to-face, because of, you know the webcam interaction, um, I think that kind of takes the edge off of it for some people as well, and makes people more apt to um, to being reasonable or, or being nice to each other uh, when they can see one another. You know, exactly. So a face to face interaction and that in real time totally makes a huge difference when it comes to the social contract that users that are engaging with each other would have much more than if you're just tweeting at an avatar for example yeah so it you know it's something that um that i think is a really interesting concept and it 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 resonates with me because you know i'm a i'm 35 so i'm the 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 i don't know what you would call it but the (laughs) the generation that straddles I knew life without the internet, and then when I was like 12 years old, we got a computer and got the internet, right? So um, I wasn't I wasn't born a digital native or whatever they call it, um, and it, it it's somewhat a shameful <laughs> for me now. But as a little kid, that was actually one of the very first things that I kind of latched onto about the internet was that you don't have to. Um, there's no accountability, right? Because you can be completely anonymous. And so when I was 10 or 12, I used to log into chat rooms and, <laughs> and say horrible things to people and try and troll people or incite people or whatever. And obviously that is not unique to me uh, as that's a pretty big problem that we have. But but so I think that you're absolutely on, you know, onto something with the idea of having that face to face interaction, building, as you put it, that social contract, because um, I don't know, there's just something about the 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 ability to be anonymous on the Internet that. I think just kind of jumps out at people. Um, exactly. It, 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 and it's, we've met in person, Walker. I wouldn't classify you as even your 12 year old self as a bad person by no means, quite the opposite. <laughs> so for you, it was just fun. For you, it was just something that you could do. And so I think it is, you know, when, when you look at the internet today, it's so hostile. I don't think yes. the reason for that is that everyone just innately is hostile and wants to incite and wants to troll and wants to harass. I think the format of the interactions that we have made it, make it extremely easy and in a way bring out our worst self. And so that's our idea. Change the psychology of the format so that it brings out the best self in humans and the best self in humans is brought out when there is a stronger social contract and that social contract is stronger when you see someone and when you hear them and that is live and you relate to them on a much deeper level as i mentioned earlier yeah yeah no that that makes a lot of sense i you know i 
especially in the United States right now, but really kind of it seems like all over the world, there's this really strong move towards authoritarian authoritarianism. I don't know if I said the word right, but <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. I mean, thank you. Happening oh, everywhere. Yeah, not. I mean, it, at first it started here, and then you saw it in a few European countries, but now you're seeing it in South America, over in Southeast Asia with the Philippines. Um, it's just happening everywhere, and and it it to me at least that just kind of um, is a a highlight, if you will, of of that kind of hostility that exists. And I I think that that part of it is is that hostility, and then I think the other part of it is is this idea that it's hard now to understand who is a trusted source. Um, I've read things about the, the, the generation younger than us that um, that's grown up with the internet and grown up with the ability to just Google any answer. And one of the things I've read is that they're, they struggle to, uh, to understand what is a trusted source and what's not. You know, whenever I Google something, the very first thing I do is look and see what website that top result is on, because if it's on some bogus looking site or a site that I just know to not be reputable, then I'm not going to consider it. But I think a lot of people have grown up with the internet not understanding how to trust something uh, or, or when to trust something. So, so there are two interesting points that you raised there. One is authoritarianism being a highlight of hostility. I think in a way you could say it might be more of a consequence. Mm. And what I mean by that is in a democratic society that lives off of a dialogue and arguing and all these kind of things in a constructive way, if the quality of that dialogue starts getting toxic, then it becomes very difficult to deal with and it actually might be easy, easier to move to something or a, a, some, someone with more authority might become more appealing, I think, because that hostility, that loud clamoring just overwhelms folks and might lead to democracy and that whole dialogue being less appealing. So I think that is one. They're related for sure. Maybe right. they're not related exactly in this way, but that's how I see it. The second point that you made was about the younger generation in specific losing the ability to determine what is a trusted source and what not. I, I've heard some, some, some people talk about and also read some stuff about the younger generation actually being better than the older generation at making that discernment online. So I don't know exactly which is the case. But just in general, it's become a lot harder. And the reason for that is that w the way that social media works, any voice, regardless of its credentials, can be amplified almost, um, yeah, almost unlimited. So you have a filter problem, right? You have mm -hmm. all these voices, all this information that is being shared, and you have some, let's say, objectively and historically trusted sources, and then you have a bunch of other sources. Now, how do you, in terms of your psychology, de determine whether something is a trusted source or not? Well, the way that we're wired, we trust what the people that we trust think and say more mm -hmm. than someone who's a stranger. 
And so just because, the, let's say, the two of us are friends and affiliated in some form or the other, you say something on social, you amplify it, I will trust it more because of that social contract that I have with you. Mm -hmm. Totally regardless of where that came from, how credible it is, and all these kind of things. So I think that is really at the root of the trust issue, that the way that our brain is wired doesn't reflect the mechanisms of how stuff is filtered on the internet and specifically social. solving this and but i will say that you know and i'm from springfield missouri and have lived here my whole life i looked up i googled you um and assuming i found the right profile and assuming that you're not a baltic german lawyer who died in 1940 then you've lived in london you went to nyu like you, you you're a very um worldly person um i, I am and not in that same way I'm trying to think of how, how I want to position that. I, I guess what I mean is, I guess what, I, what, I guess what I'm trying to say is just that what you have started here is a really, really fascinating thing because I am frankly kind of scared <laughs> of the, the current climate of social media and the current climate of politics and just all of this hostility that's going on. And so it was really refreshing to see someone like yourself come out with something like Get Vocal that tries to really attack this problem. And I don't know that it's, you know, I, I don't know if it's if it's fully comprehensive or if it's supposed to be, you know, I don't know if it gets at the issue of like the trusted sources like we're talking about. But I think it really goes a long way in reducing that hostility. And I think that that hostility, um, I think if the hostility can go away, then that will also help people invite new sources that they might trust into their their space does that make sense yeah absolutely so first of all i think that baltic german lawyer that you mentioned must be some <laughs> forefather that i don't know <laughs> um but yeah apart from that your information is correct uh -huh. you said that you are weary of social media these days and mm -hmm. almost afraid of it mm -hmm. i feel the same way that's actually what led to starting get vocal and then you also said that the hostility is something that we can get over in the way that we've designed Get Vocal. Yeah, totally. We can already see that today. Then the question of trusted sources is, of course, something completely different. At, at this point, we're not at the scale that that is an issue. But that will be something that we will have to look at absolutely um, when it comes to the question of which creator do we amplify and all those kind of things. What we're doing right now is we're staying away from political content as much mm -hmm. as possible and focusing more on other things that deliver value to, to people's lives. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, obviously I've mentioned politics a couple of times already in our conversation and, and I've touched on it briefly in, in other episodes of my show, but um, 
I've tried to stay away from it as well. And it's not because I don't have opinions on it. You know, honestly, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to personally are politically affiliated. Um, I watch, you know, different like Bill Maher, the real time with Bill Maher. I watch that on occasion. So, you know, I'm definitely in the mix in that. But it's something that I don't really I haven't really wanted to bring to the show a because I feel like there's already infinite content available if that's what you want. So I don't know that I really have anything new to contribute to that space. But B, it just seems like it is unnecessarily a flashpoint of hostility. Um, and and almost inescapably so. And it, it, it's strange because I used to be someone who, um, you know, I'm very, I, I think at my core, probably the thing I hate <laughs> most of all in, in, in the world is is bullying. Um, and when I say bullying, I, I mean, I do mean, you know, a, a kid making fun of another kid at school, but I, I also just mean it on a, on a much more broad sense, you know, someone attacking someone else is a form of bullying. Um, a government taking away someone's rights is a form of bullying, and bullying might be an, kind of an understated way to, to present those examples, but but ultimately it's that same sentiment. It's someone who, who isn't, doesn't really, shouldn't have the authority over someone else kind of inflicting their own will on them. Um, and so I've always been very, if someone is, you know, racist, sexist, bigoted in any way, I've always been very quick to, to stand up to that just because that, again, is another form of, of kind of bullying. And, and years ago, um, I was someone who, you know, if you said the N word or if you said something homophobic, not only was I not interested in having that conversation in that moment anymore with you, but I was likely to just say, that I was done with you altogether. Um, And it was actually, it took the current political environment for me to understand that that's that's actually not the right way. And that even if I feel like there's no place for bullying, so there's no place for bullies, you still kind of have to to open up and, and, and at least listen to people. Because if you just shut them out and just shun them, then they just go and form their own thing anyway <laughs> that's independent of you, but you actually haven't rid yourself of, of that. Um, does that make sense at all? Or <laughs> No, no, it to- totally does. And that's an, a different element that I think is amiss in social media today. We are, the way that it is designed, it's easy for us to get more of what we already believe. So reinforcement bias is a huge problem could also talk about it as echo chambers. Mm-hmm. So what you're describing though is very difficult because engaging with a bully is not fun. Mm-hmm. And maybe the bully doesn't even realize that they are bullying. Probably a lot of the bullies, if you ask them, um, would tell you that they're not in fact bullying. They're just very vocal about their opinions. So yeah, the question is, how do you engage someone who has a different opinion than you on whatever matter it may be in a way that actually works for you and that might even be productive and that might bridge in some way the divide that is increasing when you look at it from the whole society perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's all um, it's all definitely a big <laughs> a big thing to, to tackle. And you know, you look at at just the um, the way that we've become so integrated with our technology. You know, it's all so so new. 
and then already like we, we just got into this what 25 years ago or something and, and you know social media and all that obviously much more recently than that even and yet already we need people like yourself to be <laughs> doing things like get vocal and trying to get these other kind of counter ideas out and it, it's just crazy how quickly it, it it's gone off the rails um and obviously it's not just i mean it's not just the anonymous interaction it's also just the internet in general there's so much information available now people have access to so many so many things that just to be alive right now is just different than, than any other time. I will say I think it's the best time to be alive. Um, honestly, if I could have been born 20 years later, I probably would take that deal because I, I think that just the farther along you get, the more crazy the technology is going to get and, and maybe we'll go somewhere that we never even imagined. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it, 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 I talked to you about when we were in Orlando, there's this video game, and I'll try not to, <laughs> to be too pedantic, but... There's this video game from the early 2000s called Metal Gear Solid 2. And in that, basically, again, trying to, to put it in a nutshell, there's this AI that um, is, is basically trying to control the flow of information. And the argument that the AI makes for itself, being the, the curator of information, is that in human history, you have genetics, and that dictates how... Um, survival of the fittest dictates kind of what genes have survived. So if something worked, then it's still here. And if it didn't, then it, it got eliminated a long time ago. Um, and that's kind of the same thing is true with information, information that wasn't really valid or viable in the past prior to the internet didn't really survive. I mean, yeah, it might be there, but if someone wrote a bogus article in a magazine in 1975, you would have to find a copy of that magazine in order to read the article. And if no one else was propagating the idea, then it's not really out there. Now, however, with the internet, there is no system of curation like that. And so, you know, something like the Flat Earth Society probably doesn't exist without the internet because the internet enables the echo chamber for the Flat Earthers to tell themselves that, <laughs> that that's legit, as opposed to before that, you would be hard pressed to find 10,000 people or whatever that size of that group is that agree with that. Um, so do you think, what, what are your thoughts on, I guess, on, on curation? You know, we're talking about trusted sources and that sort of thing. Do you think that a curator is the best answer? Um, do you think everyone having their own independent voice and, and something like Reddit where upvotes and downvotes dictate uh, the popularity of something? What, what are your thoughts on that? A lot to unpack in, in, what, uh, yeah, you just, in, in what you just mentioned. So, <laughs> yes, number one mainstream media in no with without any kind of judgment on that term used to be a filter for information and opinion mm -hmm. that has been the watchdog role of media is not what it used to be as i mentioned earlier everyone can be amplified so curation does in fact become a huge problem and a problem that so far has not been solved. I know that there are a bunch of people also at the big social media giants that are thinking about how to solve curation. Um, and there are different angles of how they can solve it. I think Reddit probably did a pretty good job at including a very simple upvote downvote mechanism to facilitate that curation. But that's only is one angle uh, that is kind of like crowdsourcing the individual's assessment of how valuable and valid a piece of information is. 
but that of course is not fail safe. So yeah, I think scalable curation is something that needs to be thought about a lot more and that is absolutely missing and would be a great way of improving how things are right now. 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 Yeah. Well, I, I definitely don't mean for our conversation to be all dystopian and <laughs> what's wrong with the world and all that. Um, because again, like I've said over and over, I think that, that the platform you've created is actually on the opposite side of that. It's a it's a bright a bright shining little thing that, that that's good. That's a, a a force of good in the world. That's trying to make the world a better place. Um, so you know, I, I know that it sounds like a lot of the people that are on Get Vocal are kind of hosting shows or or, or that kind of thing. But have, do you yourself ever host conversations on Get Vocal? Sometimes. Usually okay. what we do, the content that we do is really about interacting with the community and getting feedback in terms of what is next, how to further develop the platform. We've done a couple of shows from within the team about specific topics, but we're so busy with just developing the platform that usually when we do something, it's actually about the platform and the engagement with the community and taking their feedback and all of those things. So what we do every two weeks, we have what we call the Get Vocal Town Hall, usually on Fridays, where everyone can participate and we share what is new, what's upcoming, and invite then in the second part of the show the audience to share feedback with us on particular topics that we raise. Okay. And, you know, just as a, a fan of the, the shows and, and if not, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is there any, is there any um, conversation that you've tuned into or anything that, that stands out to you, you know, just ever since the platform launched, like, is there any, any special one? There are a couple. And I think it would probably take too long for me to tell you, <laughs> all of the ones that have inspired me, but there are a couple of that, that stand out and that come to mind immediately. One of them is a creator who goes by the name of Joseph Burke, and he has an inspiring story of chronic illness, um, starting with hemophilia and then because of hemophilia and, and, and contaminated um, blood infusions, contracting HIV and Hep C, and just his entire life of dealing with these things and staying positive and being an inspiration to others. He has done some content on the platform that has really, really inspired me and that has been very moving and that has also been very moving to the audience. So even though I'm not affected by any of these um, chronic illnesses, that for me was really one of the times where I realized, wow, there is something here where we're able to give someone like Joseph Burke a voice and allow him to interact with his community that we really, really want to support. Another show that I listened to 
was by a creator called Dr. Vibe. He's a Canadian guy who does a lot of different content. Um, a good portion of his content in some way deals with topics that are relevant for the African-American community. And for me, that was definitely very interesting and inspiring as well. I've had, you know, African-American friends, but not that much. So for me, it was also very much a question of, you know, being lifted from ignorance on certain topics. So that definitely sure. was inspiring as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely, after after checking it out recently, um, I was thinking about getting a webcam to, you know, maybe do a video portion or segment or something for the podcast. But but honestly, I, I really want to get one now so that I can join in the conversation and get vocal and, and, and get in that because I think it's a really neat, I just think it's a really neat platform. It's it's wholly unique. Um, I just haven't, I haven't seen anything else that's really trying to, I don't know, make it, make a significant difference that's not just, you know, <laughs> On this in, on this social media platform, we have different dog stickers. Or on this one, you can you know whatever stupid <laughs> thing for the teens or whatever that, that's out now. Uh, um, Walker, I wouldn't say that we're the only ones who are trying to make social media a better experience. There there are others as well. I think that the big ones are so entrenched in their business models that they are very limited in what they can do to actually change without completely breaking their business. So that's obviously an advantage that a new player like ourselves has. But yeah, there, there are a bunch of people that are trying to elevate conversation, bridge the divide. There's a whole thing called Bridge Alliance. The problem just is that a lot of that is niche, a lot of that is very small, and a lot of that actually caters to an audience that is already aware of what the problem is in the first place. So whilst I agree with a lot of the high-level goals that some of these guys have, I feel like what we're doing might have a bigger chance at actually reaching the right kind of folks with something that is more inclusive, something that feels better for the users. You know, it's not only about the level of hostility is lower and we might be more respectful of someone's opposing opinion if we have more of a social contract with them because it's, that's how the interaction works. It's also more for each individual to have a better experience. What we see is that a lot of users are super connected on social media, but at the same time, it doesn't really improve their well-being. And why is that? Well, it's because you're constantly confronted with the inadequacy of your own life, right? Mm -hmm. And you constantly have that mirror that shows you how how boring you are and, you know, how much... How, how inferior your looks are and, and I don't know, you know, all these kind of things compared to those lauded social media influencers. And so what we're trying to do is give you a way to express your authentic self without having to act like you're something different, without having to put on some kind of a role or some kind of a play to get that attention and that affirmation that everyone needs to feel good about themselves. So it's also about that personal well-being. 
Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, you know, obviously, I've had the benefit of meeting Alex, and uh, not to be all mushy with him or something here, but Alex is just—I mean, literally, just upon meeting him, there's just a warmth that comes from him. He's just a really, really sweet and nice guy. Um, Thank he, you. Yeah, and again, I'm no not trying to be all No one can see that blushing but... right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he—you know—here I am in Orlando, and I've got this this idea for the show, and we've just started. And, he immediately came up to me and, and, and was interested in it. And, and then I, I had the opportunity to actually, when I met him, was we, we sat at this little table. We were doing this mixer thing where you're kind of trading business cards with people. And so I got the, the elevator speech real quickly on what he was doing and, and was really interested in it. And we just kind of had just this little connection right away. And I don't know, there's just, there's something, Alex comes, Alex upon meeting him is obviously a very um, earnest and honest person. And I just feel like this platform kind of represents that as well. And, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, to be gushy or mushy or anything, but just it's just really, really refreshing to know. <laughs> like I said, being from Springfield, Missouri, uh, you know, I just obviously I have the Internet, but it, I think there's just kind of a sometimes it can be a little bit of a box feeling because I don't know anyone else here who does a podcast, who <laughs> started a social media platform, anything like that. So. Um, I just think it's super cool what you've done and, and, and super glad that I had the opportunity to meet you and, and talk to you about it. Thank you. Um, I, I did have uh, just some questions that are silly questions, but just to kind of get to know you a little better. So my listeners can know Alex a little bit better and me too. You know, we talked, I know when we were in Orlando, I, uh, I talked your ear off for probably longer than, than was appropriate about a game called Factorio that I've been playing. And I did a very long podcast about that as well. Do you, do you personally play video games at all? Are you into that scene at all? I used to play video games as a teenager. These days I have almost no time to do it at all. So occasionally in a social setting, I'll play some FIFA. <laughs> that's, okay. That's unfortunately it. Okay, well, that's fair. I So I actually have a FIFA game that, that's part of like a bundle thing that I have on my PC, but I know nothing about soccer. So, <laughs> Well, I'm Standard. European, which I am, right? Right. So, having grown up in Germany... Soccer is the sport that I'm passionate about. And I've tried, but I can't really bring myself to get super excited about the big three or four here in the U.S. Even though I have American family, my mom is American, so okay. they're all on the East Coast and love the Patriots and the Boston Red Sox, which I guess is, you know, being fans of these two teams gives you a lot of a lot of stuff to cheer about, but I never really got into that. For me, it's soccer, and it's my home team, Eintracht Frankfurt. <laughs> I will not try and repeat that. Um. <laughs> you, know, you know what it means? I mean, Frankfurt obviously is where I'm from, but Eintracht means 
means, I guess, togetherness and friendship. Like if you if you are going to combine togetherness and friendship into one word, it's Eintracht. Huh. Yeah. So I only speak English and, you know, poorly, um, <laughs> but I I've always wondered. It, it, so you I assume you speak German fluently as well than having grown up there, right? Yeah. 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 So knowing two languages and maybe more, but at least those two, does that, do you ever find that you're able to, um, and, and maybe it's impossible to know it because you are yourself, but I'm trying to think of how to say it. I, I guess like, it seems like maybe if you had the knowledge of more languages, it would be maybe easier to, to more accurately define concepts. Now you might have to mix the languages a bit. So maybe not to other people that don't speak both, but does that make sense at all? Even like, like that word that you just described, maybe there isn't really a word in English that really encapsulates what that word means. So I just checked, actually, it would, would, you could translate it as harmony, peace, unity, or concord. And I think concord is the best translation. Okay. Okay. So to your question, does that help you accurately describe concepts? I am not sure that it does. It's a big question. <laughs> I don't know if it does. I think it helps understand um, different cultures probably better mm-hmm. because you're used to two different cultures. You're exposed to two different cultures and culture very much is defined and manifested also in language. So being able to have more than one language, I think, gives you that understanding, perhaps. But in terms of being able to do a better job at describing, defining certain abstract concepts, not sure. I would have to think about that, I think. Yeah. The question is an abstract concept, so (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) Um, I've got a friend, one of my, my... closest friends for my whole life who's a, a writer and and I I always thought it would be interesting if he would were to learn another language like would it help him you know write in a more unique or, or different way be, just because he would have another whole set of terms to look at to define try and define the same kinds of things but so that's kind of where the the question spawned from I guess <laughs> so so having an extra language or even more than one additional language definitely gives you more perspective, I would say, just by, the, by, by the nature of, of having that. You know, having traveled extensively probably gives you more perspective. Having read a lot gives you more perspective, right? All these kind of things that open your eyes to other ways, other cultures, other ways of thinking, all these things give you more perspective. But I don't think there's only one way of doing that. And back to the internet, the internet is actually an amazing way of offering that opportunity to expand and broaden your horizons to pretty much everyone. And not only those privileged few that have the resources to travel around and all that. All that. Right. So I will say, I, I, do you ever watch the Joe Rogan podcast? I do. Or listen? Okay. I do. So I don't know if you saw, it was. I think it's the most recent episode. It's, it's Nicholas Christakis. Is that familiar to you at all? I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. So um, 
that guy is here. Let me see what his description is. Is a sociologist and physician known for his research on social networks, um, and and he I think he works at Yale. And he he has a obviously I'm not going to try and describe a three hour Joe Rogan episode, but suffice it to say some very interesting experiments and thoughts that he has. But he just wrote a book called Blueprint, and in it he's kind of talking about how, and kind of to what we've been talking about. There's this idea that you know nature versus nurture that the 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 conditions that we find ourselves in are um are largely a product of the environment that we find ourselves in social media and the internet and lack of accountability and anonymity and all those sorts of things um but he talks about how if we look at evolutionary from an evolutionary aspect i guess you could say a perspective where we are that you know really if you look at humanity across multiple cultures there are things that are fundamentally just true that are good things like, you know, lovers, you know, couples um, care about each other deeply, you know, partners that, that maybe have a child together or have a, a home together or whatever, care about each other deeply. Humans teach each other, regardless of culture, regardless of language, anything, teaching other people something is, is a fundamental human trait. Um, loving your children, those, those kinds of things. And, and again, he, he goes on of course more than that but but anyway so his point is just kind of that despite us finding ourselves in this kind of um scary as i put it landscape there is reason to look to to the future with some hope because humans aren't all bad <laughs> even if it might seem like that sometimes on social media there's actually a lot of evidence that there's a lot of kind of inherent good in us um, and a lot of potential still for, for it to, <laughs> to turn out. I okay. fully agree. I fully agree. I, I, I see it the same way, and I will definitely check out that latest episode of the Joe Rogan experience. But I see it the same way, and I mentioned that earlier. We are not fundamentally bad by any means. Mm -hmm. I actually personally believe that the, our inherent good outweighs our flaws. But it is a question of how do we interact with each other what are the structures and the processes of these interactions happening where you need to make sure that they speak to our strengths and what's good in us versus the opposite right yeah yeah i thought it was a, a really um i don't know a really interesting thing and he, he even talked about how throughout human history you know there's always been authoritarians and, and you know, dictator types that have risen but inevitably, they're always overthrown, right? Because we don't have some, some long-lasting empire, I guess China maybe to some extent, but even that has had complete overhauls of its government. You know, the, the nation might still exist, but, but not in the same form. And, and so <laughs> he's talking about how really the, the dictator thread or you know, evolutionary thread or whatever has been kind of slowly killed off through time. And so over time, humanity has actually gotten kinder and nicer than, than it was before. And I thought that was kind of a refreshing insight to, to hear from somebody. For sure. Would you want to live in the medieval ages? I no. <laughs> can guarantee you that must have been terrible. Right. <laughs> I mean, probably the average person's life is 10 to 15 times better when it comes to the quality of life than that of kings in the medieval ages so yeah we've for sure come a long way and we don't have to go back that far even compared to a hundred years ago i think you know you said it right there's never been a better time to 
to live. Now, you mentioned earlier, if someone gave you the ticket to be born 20 years later, I'm not sure if I would take that because I think 20 years from now, a lot of very, very important decisions, developments in where our human history is going to go will have happened. I think we're at a very critical time in our history at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I will say that, it, that that's actually a fair sentiment. You know, the, the, there's a show, The Walking Dead, that is very popular and I'm sure everyone's seen or at least familiar with. But just in a nutshell, it's basically the world, you know, has now been taken over by zombies. And so and everything is dead and everyone is dead except, you know, small pockets of people. And so then how do they survive and how do they rebuild society to some extent? And I have always said from the get-go, if we have a zombie apocalypse, I will happily be the meat shield because I do not want to rebuild society. Like, that sounds awful. I like my computer chair. I like my air conditioning. I like my snacky cake. And I don't want to be a, a hunter and gatherer <laughs> to rebuild society. Oh, so right now we don't have to rebuild anything. We just have to make sure that our way forward is sustainable in some form or fashion. And I personally think that if we just continue as we have been, we're not on the best trajectory. So there are some adjustments that will have to be made. Yeah, I agree entirely. I was going to ask you, um, do you wear hats? Interesting. I used to a lot. I was totally a hat person, especially a baseball cap person. Mm -hmm. The Boston Red Sox being my cap of choice. Okay. I don't wear hats much these days. So, you know, the listeners obviously don't have the advantage of seeing you as I do now, uh, which is kind of creepy because I don't have a webcam and Alex does. So it's this weird, like, peeping Tom conversation that we're doing. <laughs> But um, but anyway, he has very beautiful long hair, so it would make sense that he doesn't wear hats. But you know, you never know for sure. Um, I wear so helmets. Then, I wear helmets on my bike. Okay, I, now, I, motorcycle or bicycle? A bicycle. So I, okay. I I live in Boulder, Colorado, and the bicycle is my means of transportation, the primary means of transportation. Okay. Okay. So uh, kind of semi-related because it, it goes back to hair. Do you find yourself as a shampoo, conditioner, combo person? Uh, separate shampoo and conditioner or just shampoo? <laughs> that, that's a pretty funny question. <laughs> right. And the answer will be slightly embarrassing. <laughs> no conditioner at all. Okay. And no. I wash my hair with shampoo only every three days or something like that. So I actually don't think that's embarrassing. I think that, that 
almost any time I've ever talked to anyone who like actually knows how to take care of their hair, they have responses like that. So you're probably just more sophisticated than us daily shampooers. I'm not sure I if have. it's sophistication and just laziness that <laughs> works out to be the same thing. Well, that's fair. But I we'll, shower we'll, every we'll... day, though. Yeah. Just, just, to, just to disclaim that. <laughs> Alex is not a dirty person, and that I was not trying to pin him there. So we're good. Um, very clean. Just the hair doesn't need the shampoo in that way. You would you would strip away the oils and the natural um, vivacity. I don't even know that's a word. It sounds like sounds a, like like a hair word, commercial though. word. I like yeah, it. exactly. Um, do you think of yourself as more of a chess guy or a Monopoly guy? Hmm, that's a good one. I wish I could answer differently, but more a Monopoly guy. So I actually would put myself in the same boat, but that's because I much more thrive on the social interaction that you get from Monopoly than I do the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, death match that the chess is. So that's fair point. Point. However, chess <laughs> is a real game, and Monopoly is just <laughs> killing sometimes. Actually, you're right. The social interaction of Monopoly makes Monopoly exciting. Yeah, you're, I mean, to your, I think the point you were trying to make or getting to, though, Monopoly is not actually, you know, chess is obviously a very sophisticated and well-designed game that really does have all these infinite possibilities, which is why it's survived as long as it has. But um, Monopoly is a very poorly constructed game, which I think is why it leads to that social environment tension that you get. Um, so we asked you about video games, I've asked you about your hair, um, board game preferences. What about music? What kind of music do you find yourself taking in so i have a pretty eclectic taste i can describe it better by telling you what i don't like and okay. that is mostly pop okay. i don't like pop and i don't like what is referred to as trap <laughs> so whilst i love hip-hop it's more yeah. between 95 and 2005 so yeah generally what is played in the charts poppy stuff i don't like it yeah, I, I land there right right there with you. Um, so now, when you say you know ninety five to 05, does that include things like 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 the gangster rap scene from back then, like like Tupac, Biggie, those kinds of things? Yes, absolutely. And then what about stuff like The Roots or Jurassic Five or Hieroglyphics? So that I like even more. Yeah. Okay. I kind of, I, I would get that just because you're such a nice person and the, the, that music is so much nicer than the other music. Yeah, but would, see, the thing is, it, for me, weirdly, I don't really listen to lyrics that much. Mm -hmm. And I'm also the worst at singing along. Mm -hmm. Whenever the music cuts out, people will hear me doing rah, rah, rah. You know, right. Kind of embarrassing. It's for me, it's really about the music. And I just find mm -hmm. the, the beats and the rhythm of good hip-hop flows better than on average the, the gangster stuff but there's a bunch of gangster stuff that i like too so yeah but the no, old i'm with stuff, you the old stuff right no I'm, I'm with you on that and i'm actually the same way when it comes to music i don't i don't listen to lyrics first i listen to the music first and, and you know like I, I also have a pretty eclectic taste and am easier to describe what i don't like just like yourself but you know so things like hip-hop you know like the, the groups I just mentioned, Roots and Jurassic 5 and, and Tupac and all that stuff, I love. But probably my favorite musical act of all time is, is actually Tool, the, the band, the rock band. Um, 
and I listened to Tool for, I don't know, three years on burned CDs from a friend, so I didn't know what track titles were, I didn't know what the lyrics were, I didn't, nothing. I didn't know anything at all, and I just, I mean, I listened to it all day and all night, all of the time. And it wasn't until several years into being a fan of that that I actually decided to, to look into the lyrics and see maybe what it was about. But So I totally get where you're coming from, that lyrics aren't really the driver. Um, I just think that music like The Roots or, or J5, even even without the lyrics, I think it just has a vibe of, of happiness or you know, friendly maybe isn't the right word or nice isn't the right word, but just, I don't know, it's just a lot more laid back than something it's like It's upbeat. Tupac. It's upbeat. There we go. There we go. Um, all right. Well, uh, one last question. Um, is ju- and this doesn't have to be your favorite because it's impossible, but but as far as film, what kind of, what, what would you say is a favorite movie of yours? And it doesn't have to be the favorite movie. Interestingly, I've just been asked that question recently and my answer is again slightly embarrassing i could probably not give you an answer of what my favorite movie is but if i had to give you one answer it would be love actually and the reason is also because it is part of a christmas tradition that we have in my family of watching that movie so it's one of the only movies that i make the exception of watching twice so yeah I think that's my answer. <laughs> okay, good enough. I have not seen Love Actually. Is it a is it a rom com like a Christmas rom com? Yeah, it's a it's a Christmas romantic comedy, and it's actually pretty funny. Yeah, I am a huge sucker for rom com. Actually, there's a movie from the '90s called French Kiss that has Megan Ryan and Kevin Klein. Watched <laughs> over and over as a little boy, and uh, yeah, I've always been a sucker for him since then. Yeah, so. check it out. It's fun. It's fun, and it has okay. a British humor, and it's fun. Yeah, you should check it okay. out. Okay. All right. Well, Alex, I, I thank you so much for, for taking the time to join the podcast today and, and share with my audience, you know, what, what Get Vocal is all about, and then also kind of letting us get to know you a little bit better personally as well. Um, to be clear for the audience, which we'll have links in the show notes so everyone can find Get Vocal easily, but it is spelled G-E-T-V-O-K-L. Um, so Get Vocal. Um, again, really, really thank you so much, Alex, for joining the show. Any last parting words that you'd like to have? No, thank you so much. This was fun, Walker. And yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good day. guys well that's going to do it for today's show thank you so much again for tuning in uh, again you can always get to alex's platform get vocal at just getvocal.com. like i said in the show that's g-e-t-v-o-k-l g-e-t-v-o-k-l getvocal.com. Uh, i'm sure alex would love to see you over there and i like i like we talked about it's a really neat platform and there's a lot to, to check out over there always you can email me any thoughts questions comments uh, on the episode or any other thing else frankly uh, to walker at the walk show podcast.com i'd love to hear your feedback and uh, would be interested in, in responding to that stuff on the show so 
Thanks again. Have a good one.